Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Everybody doing good? Uh, that worship was awesome today. It was absolutely amazing. Good for my soul. Uh, hey, I hope you guys got some good rest last week. We had our day of renewal, and, and two weeks ago, uh, we had a guest speaker, Chris Todd. He walked us through Psalm 23, and uh, in this Summer in the Psalm series, we talked about God as uh, our good shepherd, uh, and today I'm really excited to hop into Psalms chapter 37. Uh, if you're following along uh, today, the verses are going to be up there. We're going to jump through there. If you open up the YouVersion Bible app and go to the live event, all those verses will be there ready for you. You can go back to it. Uh, but before we hop into the Word today, I just want to take a moment. You do this, you take a deep breath with me. <sighs> all right, put your hands out, palms up. Just, just a posture of surrender, and let's pray. Uh, God, today, let your word touch hearts and change lives. Let us humble ourselves and, and be eager to live lives that honor you, that honor you first and foremost with all that we have. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, have you ever done something uh, that as soon as you did it, you thought, you know, I shouldn't have done that? Uh, uh, I know I have a lot of those uh, situations where after I do something, I go, that probably wasn't the most mature thing uh, that I could have done. Uh, like I said, two weeks ago, we had a young adults group in, and uh, we had a guest speaker. And not only that, but they actually served everywhere. They did sound. They did worship. They did kids. They did host. They did set up, tear down, everything. Uh, and they were here for about four days. And one of the nights leading up to Sunday, they had a worship night. Uh, we did a worship night by the pool. Guys, it was so good doing a worship night by the pool. We actually have a picture of it I want to show you. So uh, we did this worship night, uh, and it was, you can't even see the guy leading worship. There's a big pole in the way. But anyways, uh, a pillar in the way. It was such a good time. Uh, it was a great environment. Uh, as soon as we get there, though, uh, this is... Uh, full disclosure, this is one of those moments where uh, you get around me, around a pool, and my maturity level just instantly drops. We get there, and another, another leader goes, push Tyler in. Me, knowing these people for about 24 hours, I quickly assess the situation. Find Tyler. He's right there by the edge. All right, it is ripe with opportunity. Uh, he's right next to the pool, and it looked like he had just emptied his pockets. He was right next to a table. Uh, so I seized that opportunity. You got me? I uh, pushed him in. Uh, as he's falling into the water, I hear the dreaded, my phone, and he goes in. Uh, I felt so bad, right? Uh, all ended up being well. His phone was fine. His clothes right now. Uh, but one thing, actually two things remained. Uh, the first one was me saying to myself, why? Why did I do that? Uh, and the second thing was my wife saying, why did you do that? Uh, so, hey, I don't know why it is, but when I get around a pool, my maturity level it just drops to that of like a middle schooler. And we all have those kinds of moments, all right? Those lapses of maturity where we make the, the quick and easy choice instead of uh, the right choice. There's this definition of maturity that I heard I really like. It says, maturity is learning to delay pleasure. Uh, adults, they devise a plan and they follow it. Uh, but children, children do what feels good. Now, that's a quote from Dave Ramsey, his definition of it. And so uh, today as we read through Psalm 37, there are going to be some things that are going to challenge you. There's going to be things that you're going to feel challenged. This isn't going to feel good in the moment. It's probably not. But if we can delay that gratification in these moments, I promise you the return on that investment will be far greater than just that feeling good in that moment. You track with me? 
It's going to be good. We're going to be challenged, but it's going to be a good thing if we can delay that and do things God's way. So let's hop into it. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read uh, all 40 verses in this chapter. I'd really encourage you, a uh, side note, if you can take 10 minutes today and read through that slowly, 40 verses, it will do good for your soul, all 40 verses. Uh, and so like I said, I'm going to be jumping in in verse 1. If you're following along in the Version Bible app, it's all there. Psalm 37, verse 1. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will surely live safely in the land, in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Be still in the presence of the Lord. Wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. Turn from evil. Do good, and you will live in the land forever. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you by giving you the land, and you will see the wicked destroyed. So I went through those passages. I picked out some clear, specific directions that God gave us uh, in that passage. They're the ones that we hit. And so here's the list, and what we're going to do with the rest of our time is run through these, like, clear, specific directives that we've got. So here it is. First one, don't worry. Trust God. Do good. Delight in the Lord. Be still. Stop being angry. Turn from evil. Do good. Put your hope in God. What we're going to do is we're going to go through this and see what it would look like to do these things uh, in this day and age. So let's jump to number one. Don't worry. All right, if you, if you want to go KJV on this, that would be fret not. I don't know why. That just sounds more bible saying fret not instead of don't worry. Okay, don't worry. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass that will soon fade, like spring flowers, they soon wither. Have you ever worried about the wicked or, or been jealous of someone who, who does wrong? But when it says worry, it's not saying, oh, I worry for them. Like, I hope that they're doing okay. It's actually me. I'm like, I'm worrying that this evil person is going to, do something uh, that's going to affect me or the people I love. Uh, some of us, we see those who, those who do wrong, and they see the riches and the power that come with that, and we might get, a little, might get a little envious. We think about how we might be able to get that same power, that same wealth, if we just did what they did. And God tells us not to worry about it because they will soon fade away. Uh, it says it this way in Psalm 90, verse 5, it says, You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They are like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by the evening it is dry and withered. Don't worry. Those people that do wicked, they're going to come and they're going to go. But the things that we do for God are going to last. And then it goes right into the secret sauce for not envying, the secret sauce for not worrying. It's right there in that next verse. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord. When you trust in God, you don't have to stress about the wicked going on around you because guess what? God will bring justice. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. What does it look like to do good? There's a lot of things that could follow, fall under that. And so uh, I want to keep it simple. Uh, I like the KISS method, keep it simple, stupid. Try to live my life by that, all right? Not too complicated. There's two greats uh, in Scripture that are pretty well known. There's the great commandment and there's the great commission. And I think if we can do the great commandment and the great commission, that's just two things. Uh, we're kind of crushing it. Okay, so let's read the great commandment. It says, teacher, 
which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So that's what's known as the great commandment, to love God with all you got. Everything that you have, all your heart, soul, and mind. As a kid, you know something that I really loved? Uh, I really loved uh, when my parents would go somewhere nice out to eat uh, without me. Uh, for, <laughs> that wasn't a part of it. For some reason or another, they, date night, whatever, they go out to eat, and then they come back, and I would get to eat all the leftovers. Growing up as a kid, that was an awesome feeling, right? You open the fridge, you're like, oh, there's a white styrofoam box. What's in there? That's gonna be so much better than what was in the pantry. Like, as a kid, it was like hitting the lottery. You were so excited to have those leftovers. Anybody feel me with that? Like, you open it up, you're like, I wasn't expecting that. Um, Cha-ching. Uh, it's like getting to eat all the good food but without having to get out of the house. It's kind of like old school Uber Eats, except you're just stuck with whatever's, whatever's in there. All right, but here's the deal. Now as an adult who eats a full meal and knows what I want, leftovers, they don't, I gotta heat them up. I gotta work about it. And guess what? They're leftovers. It's probably not a full meal. It's not gonna fill me up. And also, I know that when I nuke that in the microwave, it ain't gonna be nearly as good as it was when that chef made it in the back, right? Like, it's not, it's not gonna be as good as it once was. And that's what a lot of us do with God. Right? We're talking about the great commandment, love God with all you got. But what we do is we give God the leftovers of our life. We don't give the first fruits of our life. We, uh, when we have time, we'll read our Bible. We'll have a, a strong or a good prayer life. Uh, when we serve others, when, when it's convenient for us, we might give uh, when we have a surplus. And my question for you is, what would it look like to serve God with all, all of your heart, mind, and soul? Uh, your schedule will look different. Your budget will look different. Your attitude, it's definitely gonna look different. Uh, but those things don't happen when it's an option. When I'm giving God the leftovers, it's not gonna work out like that. That's not giving him all. That's just giving him the parts of your life that you aren't using. The parts that you're not using, those are called, when you're cooking, those are the scraps, right? Those are what you give to the dogs, all right? Don't give it to the dogs. Give all to God, all right? He wants to have your first roots. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then immediately after that, Jesus follows it up with saying, loving your neighbor as yourself. Loving your neighbor as yourself. When was the last time you did something inconvenient to serve your neighbor? Inconvenient. And that could be your, your literal neighbor, the people who live next to you, or it could be someone who just happened to be close to you, because uh, I got news for you guys. Love isn't convenient. Not all the time. Uh, Kelsey and I, we had our 11-year anniversary. Can we give it up? We made it. 11, 11 down, life to go. Here's the deal. I love Kelsey more than any person on this planet. I love Kelsey more than anybody in this room. Like, there's nobody I love more than my wife. And guess what? There are times for me to serve my wife, it is not going to be convenient. And most of the time, I do that, and I do it with a smile. Why? Because I love her. I would do anything for her. And Jesus, his love for us wasn't actually uh, convenient either. Jesus, the way he loved us, it was incredibly inconvenient for him. He left heaven. He came to earth. He died a terrible death on the cross because of his love for me and because of his love for you. Love isn't always convenient. 
Let me ask you something. When was the last time you did something inconvenient to serve your neighbor? Now, if that's hitting home, uh, don't waste this moment. That's called uh, a, a guilty conscience. That means the Holy Spirit is doing something. Don't, don't get callous to that. That means God wants more of you uh, because God has more for you. All right. he, he, if, he's, if he's getting on to you, it's because uh, he has more for you. It's not to get down on you. It's because he has more for you. He wants you to see it. And if you don't know about the bad, you can't get to the good. So we do good by keeping, I'm just going to keep it simple, by keeping the great commandment and by living out the great commission. The great commission is this. Jesus came and he told the disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Another question, and and please don't take these as condemning questions. These are reflection questions, evaluation questions, and the only person answering them is you to yourself. You have to say them out loud, okay? When was the last time you had a faith conversation with someone? When was the last time you had a faith conversation with someone? When was the last time you shared what God has done in your life with, with someone? Put the bar a little lower. When was the last time you invited someone to church? You said, hey, I'll save a seat for you. Come and sit with me. To, to do good, right, it's to love God, to love people, and we love people one of the ways by sharing our faith. Okay? We're only at verse three, all right? We gotta get all the way through this. This is gonna be a fun one. All right, verse three, I'm gonna say it again. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. You will live safely and prosper. Would you say your life is, is prospering? And when I, when I say that word prosper, I think uh, televangelists have kind of twisted that word when we think. I don't mean that you got, you got money in the bank. Uh, I got news for you. There's a lot of people that have a lot of money in the bank, and they don't feel very prosperous. They're not living a life of purpose. Uh, is your life prospering in the things that matter? Uh, as Bob Goff would say, uh, doing things that matter is caring for widows, orphans, hurting people, hungry people, and naked people. All right, are, those are the things that matter to God. Are you prospering and helping those people? Think about that. Next directive we see is delight in the Lord. To delight in the Lord means this, aligning my way with God's way. Subpoint with a smile, okay? Delight in the Lord. Jesus said, come to me all who are tired and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. That doesn't sound like... I got to frown. He's going to give me rest. He's going to take my burdens. It's going to be light. Jesus has got this. Don't put that burden on yourself. Delight in the Lord. Next one, I think these are kind of tied together. It says, be still. You ever experienced the value of taking time to to be still? To slow down. To to contemplate life. Instead of being so busy bouncing around in life, you just just slow down and you're able to be still. I I really think delighting in God and and being still, they really go hand in hand. Uh, You can't delight in something or someone if you're in a hurry. Um, This is just kind of how I grew up. uh, And so I hope some of you guys are tracking me. You guys ever seen the family vacation, the Griswold family vacations? Okay, yeah. You remember when they pull up to the Grand Canyon and he's kind of in a hurry, we gotta get out of here. And they come up to the Grand Canyon, like, 
well, let's go. Like, they didn't get a chance to enjoy it. They didn't get a chance to delight in what they saw. They weren't still. They just sat there for five seconds and said, let's go. I think that's what our culture is like a lot. We want to go, 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 go. What if we were still and we just delighted in what God has given us? Because when we're going, 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 we don't have time to think about it. But if we're just still, I think a lot of times that delight comes to us. Don't be so busy that you can't be full. A lot of people in this world confuse a busy schedule with a full life. Uh, They don't have full lives. They might have full schedules, but they don't have full lives. Be still. There are things that God has for you that cannot be rushed. It can't be rushed. All right, next one. Stop being angry. That's that's the word speaking. That's straight up out of there, okay? All right, uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to, Dive into this just a little bit. No, we are ramping up for the next election cycle. All right, I know this because of the amount of direct mail I have said to vote for this person and then direct mail for some, somebody else saying, don't vote for that person. Okay, I get both of them. All right, my refuge is not in the White House, a politician, a political party. My refuge is in Jesus and he reigns in heaven. Now, politics, policy, they, they matter for sure. But don't get caught up in it all. When the other side is the enemy and those are evil people, um, I, th- I think we missed it. The, the last election cycle, I know there was a lot going on in our, our world then. Um, I saw Christians uh, belittle, degrade, be rude to people that they didn't agree with and kind of get angry and forceful with them. Uh, anger should not be a defining characteristic of a Christian. Yes, Jesus flipped tables. Uh, That's because they made his house into a marketplace. They were trying to sell things at the temple that had no place being at the temple. So have an opinion. Care about what happens, yes. But the Bible's pretty clear to say, love your enemies. And I wonder what our world would look like if Christians, we cared for those people we disagree with as individuals more than we cared about winning them to our side of the aisle. Uh, A side note, going scorched earth on somebody about a policy or a politician on social media, I don't think it's ever changed anyone's opinion. Have you ever seen somebody go and scorched earth on somebody and be like, you know what, they raised some good points? I don't, I don't think that happens. Stop being angry. The, the only opinion it might have changed is the person's opinion, whoever's reading that. Whoever posted that, oh, I don't know, that person seems kind of wild, kind of crazy. Stop being angry. All right, that was kind of a side note. That's coming down the pike. That's right around the corner for us, so don't be angry. My hope isn't in politics. My hope is in Jesus. Next one, turn from evil and do good. It ties those together. Uh, Turn from evil and do good, and you will live in the land forever. Uh, We need to turn from evil and do good. I think that's because in order for you to break a a bad habit, uh, if you just try to stop doing a bad habit, guess what? It's going to be really tough to do that. Uh, But if you replace a bad habit, uh, the likelihood of you replacing it goes up because you're going to have something else that's going to fill that role. And we talked about how to do good at the beginning of the message, right? It's by... Keeping the great commandment and fulfilling the great commission. But here it adds turning from evil. Uh, there's evil all around this world. It seems to peek its head up everywhere. And, and there's something helpful about, about rules and, and regulations, but I think uh, that sometimes when we have rules, they kind of skew how we perceive things. Um, uh, quick, quick survey, all right? And just, just throw this out with me. The speed limit says 45. 
How fast you going? 55, 50, all right. So uh, I already had this written. Most of y'all, 45 to 50. Others in this room, all right, if your last name is Key like mine, it's probably 50 to 55. I didn't hear any 60s. Um, anyways, all right, we wanted to get as close as we possibly can to hitting that limit, maybe going a little bit past that limit, as, as far as we can go without the pain or the punishment that happens when we cross that line, right? Like, hey, I always go eight over on the highway. I just don't think it's worth the sheriff's time to pull me over. I'll just go eight over. Like, we go as far as we can without getting that, that punishment. Uh, a question I got a lot of the times as a, as a youth pastor uh, from teenage, teenage boys is, how far is too far with my girlfriend? like, how far is too far? I'm like, oh, man, all right. Uh, so we want to get as much as we can of the rule. I want to maximize this opportunity here without getting uh, the punishment. And what's true of us as drivers and teenagers is true of everybody. Uh, we have a tendency to get out there and to see an evil, and, and whatever it might be, and it catches our eye, and we don't instantly turn from it. Right? If sin doesn't have some sort of appeal, you're probably doing it wrong, right? Gluttony, that's a sin. Eating until you can't eat anymore. Anybody ever been guilty of that? All right. it, it, it feels good, all right? In the short term, right? Maturity is delaying gratification. We devise a plan and we go for it. We trust God. But we have a tendency, we see something evil and it catches our eye and we don't instantly turn from it. We say, well, I could get a, I get a little closer and it's not really gonna cause any harm. It's just one step after another step after another step. And then before you know it, you're way closer than you ever thought you were gonna be in this evil that has a hold of you. Uh, don't let it get to that point. Turn from evil, do good. A, a couple of summers ago, uh, took my family up to Mount Scott. We drove all the way up to the top. Uh, COVID summer, summer of 2020, all right? Uh, we drove uh, the car all the way to the top. Did Pokemon Go at the top because my kids were like, yeah, this is cool. Can we play Pokemon Go? And I was like, sure, yeah. We drove all the way here so you could do that. And so we did Pokemon Go on the top of Mount Scott. And all the way up, all the way up, uh, they had guardrails pretty much the whole way, all right, to prevent people from, from driving off. Uh, there's some boundaries there. And on the way up, I wasn't riding as close as I could to the guardrail all the way up. Yeah, it probably would have stopped me from rolling off, uh, would have stopped serious damage, but I don't want any damage, right? Like, that's, that's how we think when we drive. Uh, so I'm not riding that guardrail. Uh, I'm not getting close to that. I'm not even riding the, the line to the outside because there's like people walking up it, which why would you walk up a mountain when you could just drive up it? So I know. Um, I'm staying firmly in my lane. I'm staying firmly in my lane. I don't want to get uh, too far one side because guess what? I'll get guardrail, and if it's a, a down part, I'll get cliff. And, and if I go too far to the other side, I get, I get mountain or incoming traffic. I want to stay in my lane. Don't think about evil or sin in the context of, I'm going to get as close as I can without getting burnt by it. I'm going to get as close as I can without sinning. That's kind of how our minds are wired. We see this rule, like, I can get all the way up to it. Uh, it ain't the same way when it comes to sin, when it comes to evil. Think about staying in your lane, being a woman or being a man who honors God above everything else everything else, to give him your all. But before we move on, if, you, if you're trapped, if you're, if you're stuck in, a, in something evil and a sin, it seems impossible to turn from it, whether that be addiction to, to alcohol, pornography, gambling, whatever, 
I want you to know God's grace is greater than whatever situation you find yourself in. Whatever it is, his grace is greater. And he loves you right where you are. He loves you right where you are. And that actually leads right into the last thing we saw from this passage that we're going to look at today. It says, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Have you done that? Have you put your hope in God? It's possible that some of you in here and you know what, you've never put your hope in God. Your hope is in uh, yourself and your abilities, my ability to grip my teeth, to get through, my ability to work hard, to, to be a good person, and those things will never work. It's never gonna work out. You have to put your hope in God, to put your hope in Jesus. He's the only one who's never gonna fail you. He's the only refuge that's always gonna hold he loves you and he wants you to put your hope in him. To take all the pressure off of yourself and to put it on him. He can handle it. He can handle it. The Bible tells us that Jesus willingly died on the cross. Because he loved us that much. He gave us a way to be with him after this life. Putting your hope in Jesus is the only way to be with him when our time on this world is over. I know we don't like to think about it, but that time is coming for all of us. Everybody born on this planet is going to have a time when they breathe their last breath. And what happens, what happens, what is your hope in when that happens? Do you have hope that there's more than just this life on earth? Or are you just saying, well, I hope I was a good enough person? We don't have to hope, we don't have to question. The best thing that any of us can do is put our hope, our trust, our faith in Jesus. In the finished work of the cross. That's the one thing, the only thing that's never going to fail us. Let's pray. God, today, would you change lives and change eternities? Would you speak to us? Would you make our hearts tender? Would we hear from you? Would we let your word penetrate our lives? Is there anyone here who would say, you know what, my hope isn't in Jesus? If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. God, I pray for those who haven't put their hope in you. God, I pray that today they would place their hope on Jesus, our firm foundation. That's never going to move. He's always going to be there. If you've never placed your hope in Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me? God, I put my hope in you. I know I've made mistakes and I need a Savior. Come into my life. Start a work in me. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. Amen. Uh, if you're here and you're a believer, right, you, your hope is in Jesus. There are times when, although we trust Jesus for our eternity, we struggle with trusting him in the details of our life. Because sometimes it seems like he's not working things together like we thought he would. Like, why am I going through this? What's happening here? I thought, 
God, I know you have my eternity, but what about right now? What about what's happening in my life right now? Here's what it says in Psalm 37, verse 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Christian, God delights in every detail of your life. And even though you'll stumble, you won't fall. Because God holds you. Let's savor that truth as we worship with one more song. Let's stand and sing.